Hi, welcome to Trained. At Nike, we believe that greatness isn't born, it's trained. And that means more than just a workout. Each episode, we'll bring you conversations with leading experts in what we call the five facets of fitness. Movement, recovery, nutrition, mindset, and sleep. I'm Ryan Flaherty, Senior Director of Performance at Nike. I train some of the world's best athletes, like Russell Wilson, Marcus Mariota, and Saquon Barkley. Today, we're talking about how to develop a competitive mindset in order to work through the toughest setbacks. You're listening to Trained, presented by Nike. When you have that competitive mindset, it only gets stronger as you get older, and I think we was doing that since it was four years old, so it had no choice but to get stronger, and then when my brothers was playing on the same team, it was like our competitive mindset was together going against everybody else, so it tends to kind of be contagious on any team was on. was like, look how competitive, look how they're going at it. That's Shaquem Griffin, a linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. Before joining the Seahawks, Shaquem played football at the University of Central Florida, where he was the 2016 AAC Defensive Player of the Year. On the field, Shaquem is known for his speed and tackling ability, but his path to pro ball wasn't straightforward. Shaquem was born with amniotic band syndrome, and when Shaquem was four years old, he had his left hand amputated. Growing up, Shaquem had to learn how to play football using only his right hand, and a lot of gatekeepers tended to overlook him and keep him off the field, despite his talent. Shaquem and I got to sit down and talk about his path from playing football in the backyard with his twin brother and Seahawks cornerback Shaquille Griffin to the NFL, and how he was able to maintain his confidence and work toward his dream of going pro when no one else believed he could. Shaquem is a great athlete to talk about mindset with. He has an incredible capacity to commit to goals. For example, when he didn't receive an initial invitation to the NFL scouting event, Shaquem trained and performed so well at the Senior Bowl that they had to invite him. Then when the day came, he ran one of the fastest times ever for a linebacker and was drafted to play for the Seattle Seahawks. Shaquem's determination to never give up comes from his confidence. From a young age, Shaquem worked to build that confidence by talking himself through some of his biggest challenges. Despite his surgery, Shaquem was determined to play football, and in middle school, coaches doubted that he was suited for the field. But as Shaquem talked himself through these obstacles, he proved to those coaches that he could not only play football, but that he was better than most. Talking to yourself may sound simple, like something you do already, but it's the difference between telling yourself you can accomplish something and thinking, can I do this? Studies have shown that talking yourself through adversity, whether it's a grueling workout or a personal setback, can make you see your situation more realistically. And that enables you to talk to yourself more supportively. The key is doing it frequently enough that it becomes automatic. It won't necessarily block out all of your doubts, but it will transform your self-talk into a positive force. Not only did Shaquem develop this important skill early on, but he was surrounded by people who reinforced it. His family wanted him to keep playing football and staying competitive. His dad didn't want him sitting on the sidelines. He pushed Shaquem just as hard as he pushed Shaquille. And his family even found ways to modify Shaquem's weightlifting equipment so he could bench press with one arm. And that never-give-up mindset is contagious. I'm excited for you to hear about Shaquem's journey to the NFL, his early experiences with football, his approach to nutrition, and how he maintains his positive mindset. I hope it's as contagious for you as it was for me. So let's get to the interview.
Harsh Hakeem, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I want to get right into it. Just just give us a little background about yourself. I'm from St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, a little small town right next to Tampa, if no one knows where St. Pete is at. <laughs> but yeah, I got a twin brother and went through a lot of a lot of obstacles to get to where we are today. Started playing football when I was four years old. I actually had my hand amputated when I was four. And I started playing football like right after that, literally the next day. Wow. I wasn't signed up for it, but I was outside playing with my, my brothers and stuff. And I came home with a dirty bandage and I wasn't supposed to, so I got in trouble that day. Kind of weird. You would think that you have surgery and you're supposed to be, you know, so you don't think you would get in trouble because I just had surgery, but that didn't work. I still got in trouble, but that's <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, I've been playing since I was four years old and haven't stopped since. For people that aren't familiar, can you just talk a little bit about what amniotic band syndrome is? Um, Really, it's just one, uh, the umbilical cord being wrapped around my wrist or any part of your body that, that result in killing circulation and airflow throughout, you know, your growth in your body. And it was right around my wrist. Mm. And obviously the doctors, you know, they're talking to my mom and stuff like they can have the they can have it removed, but it's it's the potential of it going on to the next twin that can harm him. It can go around his neck, it can go anywhere. They can't prevent that. And, you know, that's kind of a hard choice for any family or any parents to make when it comes to removing one thing and trying to save a limb that can harm the next baby. And we were so close to each other that my mom and dad had to make a big decision to say, you know what, we got to just lose his hand and see what happens after, and then we'll just deal with whatever comes. And, you know, that's a hard decision to make, but I'm glad they made the decision because who knows what could have happened if they would have removed it. Yeah. You said you were four when you had your hand Mm -hmm. amputated. Was there ever a moment where you felt bad for yourself? Was there ever a time where you let yourself just kind of feel that and then was there a switch that happened? I mean, how was that for you processing at that young of an age? I mean, at that young of an age, it was more of just, you know, trying to figure out, you know, is it going to grow back? Um, mm-hmm. How do I deal with everything? Um, my mom and dad did an amazing job with teaching me how to, you know, kind of get a grasp of things and trying to have to figure things out for myself. So that was that was pretty good. The bullying wasn't bad. Um, I always had my twin brother there, yeah. and he was very protective when it came to that. And you guys are big dudes. I mean, I don't think there's that many people. Yeah, I, yeah they wasn't really <laughs> saying too much about that. And I had yeah. older brothers, too, so it's like I was fine in that department. But I think it was uh, one thing I noticed once I started actually playing football and stuff when I was like seven years old, and there's one time where we was getting ready to, for a playoff game to go to the championship. And I just remember a coach telling me that this game is not, one of the coaches from my opposing team saying that this game is not made for one-handed players. Like, you don't deserve or you shouldn't be out here. Wow. And it's just like, who tell kids that? Like, yeah. And I just remember that's my first time getting an interception in the game, and we ended up winning the game because mm-hmm. of the interception. And that's when I knew it's like, if I want to get things done, I got to be able to work hard for it and get it done. And I think... At a young age, I was able to make a choice. Like, I could have let what that coach said to me dictate how I was going to play that day or prove him wrong and let him know I deserve to be out here. Mm-hmm. And at a young age, like, yeah, a lot of kids nowadays who, who's not able to mentally keep that positive mindset through the negativity, but it's like I was blessed and really, yeah, just really just blessed to be able to have that mindset at that moment. And I was able to learn from it and create uh, a mindset for me. It was like no matter what, I know I can get it done if I just put my mind to it. That's awesome, man. So your dad was your first trainer, right? I mean, he was the first one to kind of like take you guys through your paces and, and and train you when you were kids. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, your dad as a uh, as a trainer? 
I mean, yeah, that was he definitely was was the first one. Um, <laughs> very tough, probably the toughest trainer I ever had in my entire life. And he used to create so many contraptions when it comes to lifting weights. As I got older, he used to have me doing like push ups and stuff and sit ups before I go to bed. And then every time I go to bed, he used to be in the garage, and all you hear is just tools going off. And I was like, okay, he's creating something. I mean, I could, it's just so many things he created. I remember he had a bar, and he, like, melted a, a metal block to the bar for me to be able to use it, um, for me to be able to do a bench press. He made something I called a book when my brother used to hold it against the bar. He used to guide it for every single rep. He made, like, chains and stuff, and he put dumbbells on it for me to do curls. I mean, it was... Thing after thing, for I mean, for me to be able to lift weights and for me to just stay at that level I need to be at. And then when I got to high school, it was just everything he created throughout, throughout my life, I just kept using it. Yeah. What is it about what your dad took you through and how he coached you that made your mindset the way it is today? Um, He gave me a competitive mindset. I mean, he never allowed me to make excuses for why I couldn't lift weights or why I couldn't be competitive. And I think me growing up, I was able to learn that competitive mindset as uh, me and my brother always going at it. So when it comes to going against somebody else, I can't allow them to beat me. Like, yeah, it was just it was just set in stone. Like when I go against somebody else, and if somebody need to win, it got to be me. And that's the mindset that my my dad kind of created between me and my brother because we was always going at it, and somebody had to win. <laughs> and you know, when you have that competitive mindset, it only gets stronger as you get older. And I think we was doing that since it was four years old. So. It, it had no choice but to get stronger. And then when me and my brothers was playing on the same team, it was like our competitive mindset was together going against everybody else. So mm-hmm. it tended to kind of be contagious on any team was on. It was like, look how competitive, look how they're going at it. Even to when we started playing tackle football, my dad didn't like when the coaches told me and my brother to go head up with each other because we knew how competitive it was. Somebody had to get hit hard. <laughs> yeah. So we going full speed. It's like literally we'll hit each other and we'll both go backwards. <laughs> knock and each other like, out. We'll be knocking each other out. It was like, never again. If you got your coaches doing, telling you to do that, tell them no. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Will you back us up if we do say that to our coach? Cause, I was yeah. like, uh, I guess I'll tell them. And the coach tried it one time, and me and my brother was like, my dad told us no. And like, I told you to say it. And then my dad would come over and say, I told him no, so they're not doing it. <laughs> so it was like a back and forth thing with my dad and the coaches. That's so funny. But he was right, though. We'll hurt each other before, you know, anything else. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you've you've overcome a lot of obstacles. Um, there was a period of time in your college career where you actually stopped playing football for a bit. Can you just talk about that a little bit, what happened? In- um, yeah, it was after the third year. Um, Coach O'Leary had sent, sent me home to see if my brother can be able to adjust Without me being there, because I wasn't playing, he was, and it was time for him to go into his, you know, his junior year. So, you know, it, it was it was crunch time for him. And I just remember just going home and working two jobs and stuff. I used to work for a towing company and a cleaning service. And that's my dad's towing company he started. And I used to wake up at 6, and I used to work from 7 to, seven to 6. And then I used to work out from 6.30 to 7.30, and I used to go to Dang. the cleaning service job from 8 to 12.30. Wow. And I was working Monday through Saturday, and wow. I had Sundays off. So wow. It was a big change from coming from being a college athlete to working two jobs. Yeah, no doubt. Probably made you feel like I never want to go back to that, right? I mean, it was like motivated you probably more than oh, anything. Oh, man, no doubt. I mean, it was definitely an experience. It was definitely a humbling experience. It's allowed me to take time and, you know, think to myself and be able to you know, really see what I actually wanted in life and what I really wanted out of myself. And it was one instance where I really found it was like a little wake-up call to me is where I was towing a car in the rain, and I just remember, you know, the one of the wheels came off in a puddle. 
So now you got this car that's in the puddle with wheelers off. So now only way I can get the car hooked up is for me to get in the puddle, put my face in the puddle, and hook the car up for me to pull it up. So I'm asking my dad, I said, Dad, I can't get the car. Like, I have to put my face in the puddle. And mind you, if I'm working for my dad, if I'm working for him, he's not going to do the work. <laughs> he's going to stay in the truck because he don't have to. Now he have his son doing the work. So, of course, it goes that way. He told me, go get that car before we can keep going. Okay, so now my face is in the puddle. I remember just having one eye. That's the only thing that I was able to stay out the water was wow. my eye. My hair is in the water. Everything is in the water. I hooked up the car. And then once I went to go collect the money from, you know, the guy I was picking the car up from, I just remember him taking the $5 tip out. I was like, oh, man, this is so worth it now. This is so worth it. Yeah, yeah. He ripped the $5 in half. I was so hurt. But it was a message he gave me. It was like, just remember to keep working because nothing comes easy in life. Wow. And I was just like, well, he, he right about that. And I remember just, I still have that, that ripped up $5 bill. No way. It was just a, a wake-up call for me. And then, you know, when you're going through that process of not playing and then I've been working for so long and then you kind of in the middle of doing that, you get that little message to kind of wake you up again. It's like, all right, I got to keep fighting for what I want. Yeah. And it was a wake-up call for me. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Shaquem will talk to us about his diet, and he'll break down a week of his workouts. Stick around. We'll be right back. If you're a trainer, join a community of trainers looking to make fitness better for everyone. Learn from leading experts in movement, recovery, mindset, nutrition, and sleep. And get an exclusive 30% discount on Nike gear. Apply at nike.com slash ntcpro. And if you're enjoying this episode of Train. Help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the show. That way we can keep making great episodes for you to listen to. And it helps other people find the podcast. So shifting a little bit to training, what are some of the things that I would see in your off-season training? What are some things that are important to you that you really focus on? One thing that um, I did this year that I guess it was a surprise to a lot of vets was um, I got a personal trainer. And I just felt like, you know, a lot of people just it'd be so worrying about the materialistic things and trying to like travel all over the place. I just wanted to invest in myself. I mean, I feel like I need to do that early. You're never too young no. to take care of yourself. And I feel like eating right and being able to, you know, get good workouts in every single time and even to a down to when I have to travel during the weekends, have a regimen of when I need to eat and when I need to train. So it helped me kinda, you know, keep myself up when it comes to training. Like I feel better, I feel healthier, I sleep better. It's like everything I did in off season just is, is carrying on to where I am now. I can run better, you know. I just I just feel better out there, and it's like I want to keep that feeling. So I just stick with that same regimen, work my butt off, and make sure I'm eating healthy. Yeah, no, it's super smart. I mean, your body's your vehicle. I mean, if that starts to break down and you're not investing in it, you don't can't buy another body. There's not, this is all you <laughs> right, got. You right. gotta it's gotta last you. So it's you gotta put as much investment into that as you do anything else. You know, so that's that's really really smart. What shifts have you been making with your nutrition? Just basically, uh, I don't do as much carbs anymore. Um, I only do certain carbs when it comes to after certain workouts and mm-hmm. for me to be able to have it. Definitely the the protein side of things and having certain fats in certain areas when it comes to, like, after I lift weights or anything. And, you know, my whole thing was I came in big last year, and it was all unhealthy weight. Mm-hmm. Like, I was an undersized linebacker, and I had to gain a certain amount of weight. And I remember just putting on 17 pounds of just wow. me just trying to gain weight. And that time, it was tough. But then once they seen the weight I was at, now I had to maintain it. And I always felt sluggish. I always felt like I come in, like, down to the point where it's like, 
having like the proper sleep. I just felt like what I was eating wasn't allowing me to have like a healthy lifestyle living. And it was hard for me to sleep. Yeah. It was hard to have that energy. And I just felt like changing the way I, what I ate and when it comes to like eating sweets and everything, I just had to cut that out and start eating healthy foods and stuff. And once I did that, I'm able to sleep better, move better, and just, just have more energy and feel better about myself throughout the day. So from a sleep perspective, like what are some of the things you do for your sleep? Like for me, I, I have to get between seven and a half to eight hours of sleep. So I make sure I'm going to I'm going to sleep at a proper time. I usually probably be in bed at least by 10. I'm probably out by 10.30. But I usually try to handle everything where I eat like a protein shake before mm-hmm. I go to bed. So I'm making sure that, you know, at least I have a meal before I go to bed. Then I have a protein shake before bed. Yeah. And then usually by the time I, get, by the time I start laying down, I'm, I'm probably out by 10.30, 10.45, but I try to keep that same regimen. And sometimes it's never the same every single day. That's the goal is try to be in uh, 10.30 to 11 at the latest range mm-hmm. and make sure I'm getting the proper hours of sleep. If I get eight hours in, I'm at my best. From a recovery standpoint, Shakeem, like what are some of the things in recovery that you like to, to use to help yourself recover from workout and practice? Um, yeah, I do a lot of uh, stretching, do a lot of um, foam rolling. Do a lot of hot tub. I do cold tub every once yeah, in a yeah. while, but I get like massages twice a week. So you foam roll and you stretch. What kind of stretching do you do? You do? Uh, really, I just focus on my hamstrings and calves. I mean, those are really the main parts that really be you know hindering me. Uh, I'm pretty good when it comes to hips and stuff, but I like to focus on like parts that I feel like I'm weak at. And it's like when it comes to my Achilles are being tight, mm-hmm. calf muscles being tight, hamstrings and stuff. Because all that is kind of just is tied into each other. Once one get tight, yeah. it start putting on everything. And I used to always feel like if I had tight hamstrings, I used to feel it in my lower back and stuff. So I just want to strengthen things that I feel like I was weak at last year mm-hmm. and then just make sure I maintain everything else. What is the goal you have for your training? I mean, right now it's just, you know, just having the stability of just keeping the same speed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of form training now with the weight coaches. They do an amazing job with showing us how to properly run, you know, putting the proper force to the ground or having the, the dose of flex toe and making sure your toes pointed up. Mm-hmm. So you're learning so much about form running that has allowed me to keep my speed up. I think a big thing for training about for me right now is just working on my upper body. I mean, I want to get bigger. I want to get bigger, have a bigger upper body, and I'm starting to have more prosthetic uses and starting to have different contraptions for me to be able to do so much more. Um, I've been doing deadlifts for the first time um, nice, since, since I came back. I've been doing more pull-ups for the first time and doing more lat pull-downs and stuff. Awesome. So I'm doing things that I've never done before. And it's just like, you know, growing up, everybody's so excited about getting in the weight room. And as they get older, they kind of tend to get away from it. It's like I'm a young kid when it comes <laughs> to that because I wasn't able to do it. Yeah. And now I'm doing it now. It's like, hey, this is what I've been missing out for all these years. So, yeah. you know, the weight room is just so exciting to me now. I'd be so happy to get in there and get things rolling. I'm just ready to see results and just get bigger. It's interesting, huh? How, when you get to the league, how how you in college it's so structured. Like everything you do is told this is what you're going to do. But then you get to the league, and all of a sudden it, people look around like, wait, I get to decide on you know. So much of it is on you. <laughs> you got to figure it out for exactly, yourself. Exactly, it's on you. Yeah, it is. One thing I wanted to get into a little bit with you is for people who have not spent a lot of time around the NFL, the game, it's tough to put into words kind of the rigors of a long 17 week season. What are some of the things you do mentally to recover? Uh, I mean, me and my brother tend to do certain things that kind of take our mind off of just strictly football. You know, we always get that one day off, so it's like go to meetings, 
that little extra meetings on that day off, but do something that that really free ranges your mind strictly off of football. Mm-hmm. And we do a good job. We like we'll go like jet skiing or something. So we'll you know do some sightseeing, like literally take our minds off and focus off of football. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, now I'm back. I'm ready to get back into it. It's a long journey to get to. I'm 16 weeks, and it's football, football, football every day. It's like you got to have that one little day where it's like, let's take my mind solely off of football mm-hmm. and put it into something else. No, that is really good. I think that's something that's big is just that break, right? That just mental recovery where it's yes. n- nothing about football. It's just you, you get completely out of it. I want to get into a little bit of like the specifics of like a training week for you. So let's say you're in the middle of your offseason. It's the summer leading up into, into training camp. Give me like an example of Monday through Friday what that would look like for you. Um, Monday for us is um, we'll usually leave around the house around like 1130 get the workouts around 12, 1230. And then usually it's just all stretching, it's all treatment from there. Uh, usually speak with the nutritionist about, you know, planning throughout the entire week. And then usually Mondays we did, we usually did arms and we usually always focus on solely like different muscles because we work five days a week. So it, we had enough, we had enough time throughout the week for us to focus on certain areas. So like we'll work on like chaps, back arms, or forearms one day. Then we'll work on chest, lats and everything else on that Wednesday and mm-hmm. then Tuesday and Thursday uses like Tuesdays was hamstrings, calves and something else. And then Thursday would be just solely quads. Got it. And it's so weird cuz he used to always say quads to the guys on Thursdays. And he used to hurt <laughs> so much. And then Friday was just like a, a a mixture of both, but it's like more of a recovery, but we used to do more like conditioning one of the kind of different ways like you know, plate pushes on the ground. Or we will have high-intensity reps, and it just be lighter weight. So it's just more of like a conditioning, but just in the weight room for Fridays. And, you know, usually Thursday, Tuesday and Thursday, we used to do the uh, we used to do massage. And Monday and Wednesday was a chiropractor. So that's like the entire wow. week. And Saturday, Saturday, well, Friday night, we'll fly out to the yeah. next city or state for us to be doing. Because we used to do every weekend, we used to travel to either a children's hospital or no different organization to speak to them. So we always fly on Friday and we will fly in Sunday and then same regiment throughout the week. You talked about that speaking at different hospitals and, and churches. Is that something that for you, you just felt like I'm going to use my platform to do that? I mean, why did you decide to do that? I mean, it's just me being able to share a light on kids and stuff. Like you never know who day or who month, mm-hmm. year that you can make if it's just, just speaking to kids. And it was never me just going there just to, be motivational. It's just me just spending time with them. I just feel like, you know, uh, me growing up, having somebody that I can look up to and be able to talk to them on, on like, not a day-to-day basis, but just to speak to them when I see them, it's, it's crazy because it can make a big difference and not even knowing it. And me feeling like I was sharing my light on them, it was them sharing their light on me. Mm. And it was, it was such an amazing experience, such a humbling experience because it was allowed me to be an eye-opener because it's like the kids, just the energy they have is so contagious because they, it didn't matter what they was going through. That moment that they had with me was so amazing, and they wanted to share the moments that they wanted to have for themselves. Mm-hmm. If it was you know, having both legs amputated, but they were talking about what, he can, what they want to do when it comes to running and being in different obstacles, and they never said anything negative. It was always talking about, okay, I lost my legs, but I'm so... I'm solely worrying about what I'm about to do and what I'm about to accomplish. It's just like, this is a life lesson, and the kids no, no. don't even know that. That's amazing. What words of wisdom do you have for someone who might be in the same place today? Just have faith in yourself, have faith in your family, have faith in God, and just keep pushing yourself. 
I mean, at the end of the day, you have every choice to make if you want to be negative or positive. And I always solely choose to be positive because, you know what, you are in control of your own bus and you got to drive it. I mean, don't let nobody stop you for where you want to go. And it might be hard, it might get tough, but keep pushing. You always want to push harder when the times get hard. Yeah. Funny you say that because I think it's something you you mentioned earlier today when we we did a workout today on the field at Nike and and you would you'd mentioned you'd said something about talking to yourself and it was like instantly for me the light bulb went off like you know like you did it you do it too oh definitely I mean it's been like that since I was young and it's so crazy because you I met so many people who was, was doubting me and saying that I couldn't do something that my positive self talk had to be stronger like I had to be able to have that voice in my mind was like don't listen to him. He's wrong, and you're going to make sure you show him that he's wrong. So it's like that thought that I had right before the 40 was like you had thousands of people who doubted you throughout your life. It's like, what you going to do with this moment now? And he said, don't be nervous, just attack it. And once I did that, I said my little prayer, and I went for it. Mm-hmm. It was no more just holding back and being nervous that I was here. It's like I deserve to be here, so let's act like it. Thank you so much for the time, man. I know everyone listening is going to get a ton out of this. Keep shining the light, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much Absolutely. for having me. It was great to speak with Shaquem. I always like hearing about how athletes early in their career adjust to going pro. And although it's a big change, you might have noticed that one thing has stayed consistent in Shaquem's life, his mindset. When Shaquem said that his mindset had been the same ever since he was a kid, I wasn't surprised. But I can't emphasize how impressive that is. It is hard work to have a competitive mindset, to maintain the perspective that you can overcome any obstacle that comes your way. It is much easier to give in to negative self-talk or think in absolutes. And the world around us is only too ready to reinforce those ideas. In Shaquem's case, there were even coaches and opponents who'd remind him that he was a player with one hand in a game where people with two struggled to catch the ball. Yet Shaquem talked himself through it. His mindset had to be stronger than the critics. And that strength comes from repetition. Small moments are a great place to practice a positive mindset like committing to mental recovery when he has off days, investing in his body through a personal trainer, and changing his diet. And part of that is recognizing the work that you have done. One of the things Shaquem said to himself before he ran the 40 was, I deserve to be here, and then he performed. He knew exactly how much hard work he had done and how many naysayers he had sped past to get to that point. So take the time today to recognize the work you've done already, whether it's in training, your personal life, or any kind of healthy change. It's not easy, but it's the most fundamental part of building a mindset like Shaquem's. Trained is produced by Nike Training Club. If you're looking to take your training to the next level, go check out the Nike Training Club app. In it, you'll find holistic guidance and free workouts designed by Nike experts. Or go even further with our premium subscription service, NTC Premium at $14.99 a month, available now in the U.S. With NTC Premium, you can get guidance from start to finish with programs designed and led by Nike Master Trainers, plus immersive guided workouts and in-depth nutrition and wellness content. Go check it out. That's Nike Training Club app, available on both Android and iOS. Thanks for listening. If you like what you just heard, help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the show. That way we can keep making great episodes for you to listen to. And be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Trained. Talk to you soon.
consult your doctor before engaging in an exercise program of any kind, especially if you have a medical condition. Use good judgment and common sense about your own fitness level and ability when engaging in a training program. If something doesn't feel right, stop immediately and seek medical attention as necessary.